This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. I do not say correct or savoury. I do not say seemingly or even natural. I say serious, sensationally serious, unspeakably serious, solemnly, recklessly, blissfully serious. The intriguing words of Philip Roth from his novel Sabbath's Theatre. Hello, good morning and you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cahill. When someone hurts your family, how far would you go to get even? On this week's show, Dutch novelist and actor Herman Koch talks parenting, envy and his latest disquieting read, Summer House with Swimming Pool. And will Philip Roth win the Nobel Prize for Literature? Dr Michael Hines from the Matterday Institute at DCU and Ross Posnock from the Department of English and Comparative Literature at Columbia University in New York discuss Portnoy's Complaint, The Human Stain and American Pastoral. This is a show about satire and vanity, viciousness and frustration, originality and some really good rough reads. But first, the impact of violence on a bourgeois family life. Herman Koch has a knack for asking the right simple questions that threaten to completely unhinge who we are and what holds us together. His latest book, Summer House with Swimming Pool, is thrilling, funny, tense and very disturbing. The story goes like this. Mark Schlosser is a doctor to the rich and famous. When his most famous patient, the actor Ralph Mayer, invites him and his family on holiday, Mark finds that he can't refuse. But by the time the suntans have faded, Ralph Mayer is dead. The medical board accuse Mark of negligence. Ralph's wife, however, accuses him of murder. Our unreliable narrator, Dr. Mark Schlosser, informs us within three pages. Occasionally, I'll ask someone to undress behind the screen, but most of the time, I don't. Bodies are horrible enough as it is, even with their clothes on. I don't want to see them. Herman says he wants to write books about what people are really thinking, and he certainly delivers. But brace yourself, Herman's books come with a major health warning. Expect nasty characters who are rude, manic, objectionable, but strangely compelling. Summer House with Swimming Pool is Herman's seventh novel and second book to be translated from his native Dutch to English. His previous book, The Dinner, was an international bestseller and hailed as the must-read novel for all book clubs in 2012. The novel asks how far middle-class parents will go to protect their children and questions to what extent can we blame parents for the misdeeds of their children. I have to say it's a terrific read, hugely provocative, psychological and dark. Well, a few weeks ago, I got a chance to chat to Herman from his home in Amsterdam. I asked Herman about his writing style and the big uncomfortable moral questions he poses in his books. My name is uh, Herman Koch. I'm a Dutch uh, writer. Uh, The Irish readers might know me from 
novels like The Dinner, which came out uh, two years ago. And now my most recent novel is called Summer House with Swimming Pool. My books investigate uh, mostly moral questions and without judging about their own morality or lack of morality. There are a lot of unlikable characters in it, but I find um, unlikable characters far more interesting than very likable ones. And um, I don't use them so much on purpose because it happens to me that at first they seem quite likable sometimes, but then they're going to do things or think things or whatever, and uh, I find them more and more unlikable. And I suppose when you think about it, and if we're all honest to ourselves, there's good and bad in everyone, and darkness is in the human psyche just as much as positivity and goodness. Oh, sure. No, I I agree with you. And I think maybe it's also that uh, a lot of readers read about these um, unlikable characters but see also the likable parts because they're never 100% unlikable and they, they think well in a way I can make them even feel good about themselves and think well if these guys get away with this or if these guys can do this or think this at least you can you can fantasize about uh, living like them. Now your latest book lashes into the creative profession and I found it absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, yes. Can you talk to me about this because you have been an actor, a writer. What is it like now writing about the people that you're meeting and working with? I know these people very well. I've been among them and even I am one of them. Just another thing that you know about, like you know, you can you can write a book about your childhood, you can write a book about your marriage, about your divorce, about your partners or wife or wives or exes or whatever. And then I thought suddenly, well, maybe I should write about this, but then in a written with a perspective point of view of someone who's in a way completely outside of it. There are no artists in the book complaining about their artist life. But yes, they have a general practitioner who is treating them, who is in a way looking through them, who is at least realising that they're, and they're not as interesting as they think they are. For those who haven't read Summer House with Swimming Pool, can you, Herman, maybe just give listeners a brief run through? In the first chapter, Mark Schlosser, a general practitioner, tells us that one of his patients, a famous uh, theatre actor, has died. And he's, he tells us in the first 20 pages that he, Mark Schlosser, as a general practitioner, is under investigation because they think it might be due this actor has died because of a medical error he made. Then he tells us, I hope it stays there because it wasn't a medical error. He more or less insinuates that he did something on purpose. And the actor you're talking about there is Ralph, who is a stage actor who was very self-important, a very greedy character, a very horny character. Yeah, he's this kind of person. I, I, I didn't base him uh, on an actual existing person, but there are so many persons I, I've met in my uh, in my life who are are like this and they when they see a good plate of shrimp they look at the same way as they look to a young girl or to an attractive woman in the way that it has to be eaten as as (laughs) as soon as possible and that's the kind of of man he is and he doesn't feel even he doesn't never feel ashamed about this he thinks this is life it's all it all belongs to him. He has a right to eat his food. He has a right to to look at women, even if they're not his not his own wife, but the women of, of partners or friends. So this is the kind of person I was thinking. Somebody who's 
says of himself, well, I'm living the life like it has to be lived. But in effect, they're just pure, 100% egocentrics. Would you describe him as a bordering on sociopath? Or do you think that's pushing uh, it? Oh, yeah, sure. I think so. Yeah. He, he's this, this kind of person who hasn't had got the slightest idea about himself and uh, how he behaves. He thinks, well, I'm a famous actor. Everybody comes to look at me. A lot of people admire me. So that give, gives him passport, as you say, to to behave badly. Now, Herman, I have to ask you about the dinner. It proved to be a tremendous success for you. Quite a breakthrough book in terms of reaching a broad audience outside of Holland. And I know my sister Helen introduced me to your writing. It's a terrific book, but very, very frightening. And there are a lot of moral ambiguities in the book. There's a lot of questions left unanswered. Book is set with two brothers meeting for dinner with their two wives and they have something very uncomfortable that they need to discuss. They get on with formalities and blah 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 and as the book progresses we see a very dysfunctional relationship of terrible sibling rivalries and Paul and Serge, your two main characters are both frightening propositions. Can you tell me about the dinner? Um, yes, I first, I first started off with the idea that in a way it was based on uh, on a true, true facts. This is to say that on some seven years ago, I saw on television in Spain how, how two young boys did this more or less the same thing to an older homeless person. And uh, the facts that struck me most was not so much thinking about the victim who was invisible in the whole video because it was filmed by a CCTV camera and so she was out of out of the vision. But I saw these two boys and they weren't like, you know, that you could immediately judge them or say, well, they must belong to some kind of gang, they belong to this, this or that kind of minority, or they're wearing chains or tattoos or they look like this and then of course these kind of things happen or they're, they're drunk or they're drugged or whatever. What happened is that what I saw and what I think what everybody saw on this footage from the CCTV camera were two very nice, well-educated boys who were just having a bit of fun. And at that point, I thought, these boys could be my son and they could be anybody's son. And that's what triggered for me the idea of the dinner, that you think also not only about the victim, but you also think the perpetrators of the crime are ruining their young lives as well because maybe it's just an incident. Probably it has never happened before and it would never happen again. And what's so engaging about the dinner is that the reader almost becomes the ultimate moral arbiter of what has happened. And you're left wrestling with that for quite a long time. The book made me think how far I would go to protect somebody I love and also how I understand the nature of evil in the world and how things can go all terribly wrong and how we can be so yeah. close to that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that I, as a as a writer, and I shouldn't judge uh, anything, so I should stay out of it, with the result that the discussions start mostly after people have finished the book. I know a lot of cases of person who told me per, uh, uh, personally, they said, I forced my husband to read your book because I needed somebody to talk about it. I think this has to do with that all the points of view uh, are given equal uh, rights in the book. So the, the evil thinking, uh, the good thinking, because I, and I don't think there's 100% evil in the book either. It's all a lot of well, the, of course, the, the parents are identifying with their children or trying to protect them in a way that maybe isn't right. But emotionally, we could maybe 
feel the same or we could think, would I do it or would I don't do it? Interesting moment here. After it came out in Holland, it was discussed on television. I was there and there were about six persons on the, on the panel and they were all asked this question. Would you do the same thing? Would you go to the police or would you uh, hide your children from the police in a similar case? And there were three people who said, I would go immediately to the police. And th the three others said, I would never go to the police. Well, the three who said never had children of themselves and the other three didn't. And it's interesting, Herman, because, you know, reading your book and discussing it with friends and yeah. whether you're a parent or whether you are an uncle or an aunt, for a young person that you love, it raises very interesting questions and how we all judge each other on the capacity and the types of love that we have. Your book raises so many interesting questions, but on a conversational level alone, it opens up a minefield, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so, and uh, I think it, it, it uh, particularly uh, has this effect, it does so, because I, as a writer, are completely out of it. So all the points of view, well, they're equal, share, and they can express themselves completely. The, let's say the more or less reasonable voice of the politician, Paul, who is our narrator, who sees everything differently. But I, wa I was trying to treat all characters present as objectively as possible and not, not make fun of them or trying to make a satire of a person or a caricature just make them human beings although some people say well this Paul he, he seems so nice at the beginning of your book but then he turns out into a monster but I don't agree with that for example I don't find him a monster I think he's he, well he has a strong he has strong feelings a strong character and he's more or less a victim of his of his own uh, short temper I just want to ask you in relation to Paul's character he meets some of the characteristics on the scale of autism and then if you know that or not where does that leave the reader in how they judge him or not yeah that, that's interesting because um i was thinking that he has some kind of disturbance or disturbance or illness uh, which is something like being hyperactive this hd idea i don't know if it's called the same in english and also i was thinking on along the lines of a, of a certain autistic um disorders like asperger for for example. But then I thought I wanted to create my own illness, so I didn't name it. So I thought I would take aspects from this one and bring it to the other one and make a little gazpacho potpourri of all, of all these mental illnesses you can have. But it's not a real serious thing. It can, I, I think uh, Paul can function very well. The only thing is that what is important for the book, that he thinks when he hears about what his son has done, Paul thinks it might be that he has inherited this from me. So as a biological father, he feels even more responsible than every biological father does. It's interesting because it leaves the reader in a morally grey space because you're presuming that there is something more in the background that we haven't been told. And yeah. so in one way, you're not letting him off the hook, but you're, you're empathising in certain ways because you're presuming he has some serious problems in his own right. Oh yeah, it does. And he's also, I think, from the beginning of the, right from the beginning of the book where he tells us we were going to have dinner at, at, uh, at a restaurant but not naming the restaurant and there is his wife's illness and he would not tell us because it's private and then this and that. He's very private about everything and uh, I was thinking from the beginning he's hiding something. So what he's hiding is but in the end has to explain, he's forced to explain it to us, the readers, is this this disorder he has. We even see in a discussion with the, the school principal. And 